I'm Cindy Boxer, and you are listening to the Fiber Artist Podcast, where we chat with artists, makers, and creatives who work with fiber, get to know their stories, how they came upon their fiber practice, and more about the person behind the work. Today, I chat with Ellen Bruxford, the fiber artist behind Fibrous. Ellen's work has been featured in Cole Magazine, Ruby Wolf, and Hooray Magazine. And she's recently made the leap to brick and mortar with Broad Studios, a female artist collective, studio, and event space in Austin, Texas. You can find Ellen on Instagram at Ellen Bruxford. You might have known her formerly as Ellen BC. And her website and shop are online at fibrousatx.com. Alrighty, here's the episode. Ellen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Sure. Um, I've been, I feel like we've been sort of Insta- Instagram friends for a long time. So um, mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to getting sort of into your background and how you got into fiber art. Um, but so let's just start with the basics. Where are you from and where do you live now? And what's your sort of life situation right now? Well, um, I'm from College Station, Texas, which is. Uh, it's kind of like medium-sized town in Texas. Most people just move there to go to college and leave, but I grew up there. So, um, I moved to Austin about eight years ago, I guess now. And, um, yeah, I kind of kept it in Texas, but I love Austin. It's like a super vibrant, creative community and really great for small businesses. And so I live here in a house with my boyfriend, my brother, and a roommate. And oh, awesome. Yeah. I'm you right. got a full house. It's so funny totally. because <laughs> in your stories, you always look very solo. Like it was seem very know, solitary. It's funny because I've had some people um, who I've like met on Instagram come over to my house and they're like, oh, you live with people. And I'm like, yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So um, let's go way back. Let's talk about like childhood. Were you crafty as a kid? And um, just like sort of uh, describe what life was like up until you discovered fiber art and got into it and how you got into it. Oh, boy. Uh so yeah, like to answer your question, I was totally like the art kid. Um, I, my brothers are both into music. I'm, I'm the only, I'm three siblings. So, um, myself and two brothers and, uh, they were, they were always into music and I was always the one with like crayons in both hands, like scribbling all over the paper and walls. And I don't know, my, That's awesome. my mom, thankfully she like encouraged it, but um, yeah, I, I was always kind of dabbling my hands in different things. Art class was my favorite forever. But, um, then in high school, I sort of, um, started to dabble more in like the digital arts. So I was doing like, um, photography, film, graphic design and things like that, which were really like piquing my creative and technology interests at the time. Yeah. And so I like, um, I don't know. I went on to try to pursue graphic design and advertising in college, but then I just realized that, I don't know, spending that much time in front of a screen was kind of like not fulfilling my creative desires. Like I just sort of felt like I was always working for someone else, like promoting something that I didn't always fully believe in and that just didn't feel right to me. And so, um, and I just didn't really feel like I was as good as I thought I was, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, which that's okay, you know, but, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I experienced the same thing. I think it was because like, it was something we really weren't passionate about. So we didn't really 
yeah. maybe put our full, um, you know, our full effort into it or something. And I think those things just kind of like figured themselves out, you know, like you have to try in order to know, but I just, mm-hmm. I tried and I was like, you know, this, this was cool for a while, but it's just like not clicking for me anymore. Right. And so were you working, okay. were you working for, uh, like, was this, um, did you have jobs in college when you were sort of pursuing advertising and graphic design? Yeah, it, it was like always really informal. I mean, I've, I've worked in the service industry, like my whole adult life, but I, um, I always did like freelancing jobs where people would hit me up to, you know, edit some stuff or create a logo for them or, you know, whatever. And I was like always down. It was like a very yes man project because any work was good work. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of lost the spark for me after a while. And I was like, I need to do something different. Yeah. (laughs) So So did you, um, were you, did you major in advertising or did you get a degree? Um, yeah, I actually, totally. I, I was going, I, I went to community college for three years and then I went to um, UT for a year. And then I was just like, um, at the end of a semester, I like broke my collarbone in a bike accident, which was like this weird, crazy thing. (laughs) But it totally made me like skate by in the last semester. And that was kind of like spending that much time at home really because I was like, I took a month off of work. I was not in classes. I was like healing or whatever. And that like, it, I don't know, it really caused me to just like self-reflect yeah. and realize like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't like, I don't want to go back to school and have, you know, be paying for something that I'm like not passionate about. And totally. so I didn't go back. I didn't finish school. Um, and I decided to go and like work on organic farms. That's <laughs> uh, awesome. It was like a total life 180, super weird, but also like I felt really good about it. I was like really passionate. I wanted to learn like how to grow food and where my food comes from and like I wanted to be more involved in that process and I wanted to travel for that experience and so I like moved to Hawaii for two months and that's so was cool. <laughs> so I mean, it may not seem like it at first, but that accident in a way was sort of a blessing because it gave you time to oh. sit and think about what you wanted to do. And yeah, that's awesome. Most people, I feel like most people don't really get that. Um, they don't get that revelation until a little bit later, you know? Yeah. You know, and you know, it all happens in your own timeline, but and, you know, I, I'm thankful for it. Like, yeah, it sucked, but <laughs> it was ultimately really awesome. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so what did you yeah. do in Hawaii then? Um, so I was, I went there, um, I joined the organization called WOOF. It's like Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. Okay. A lot of people have heard of it. A lot of people haven't. I don't know. But it's basically just like this thing where you like pay to be a member and you have access to this whole database of people who are looking for help and it's kind of like a work exchange so you you buy your travel there um but then a lot of places you basically like live and eat for free but you just work for them so um oh cool I mean it was just an awesome way to like I feel like most people experience Hawaii for like a week you know and not that that's a bad thing because a week there is also awesome yeah (laughs) but yeah like I don't know sort of experiencing like the local side of it which I think Airbnb does a really good job of doing but that didn't really exist like when I went I mean it did of course but it wasn't like a thing right right um yeah I I lived like in a not a touristy area at all I lived like on the east side 
of the big island and um it was awesome I was just I lived with this couple they were in their 60s and we lived in yurts in the rainforest and I worked on 15 acres of a cacao farm and they made chocolate and it was awesome that is so (laughs) cool see that even if you did Airbnb like fine you can live like a local but like you're doing real local like fully immersed on the farm with the land like really really in there that's amazing what a cool experience super cool and I feel like it kind of gave me an appreciation for like just small you know people pursuing their passions regardless of how popular they are because Mm -hmm. like it, it was hard work. It was super hard work, but it was also really rewarding. And like you said, and it connects you with the land and your surroundings and just sort of like um, gives you an appreciation for like supporting small businesses, I right, guess. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was awesome. So cool. Were you really healthy while you were there? I don't know. I just Uh, feel like Hawaii does that to people, you know, like, plus you're working hard and like, you know, yeah, eating organic, I assume. Yeah, you know, we ate off the land and, you know, like we were in an area where a lot of people were farmers and we all, you know, did different things. And and we didn't just go cacao because you can't like just eat chocolate. But yeah, we had, you know, bananas, avocados, coffee, uh, pineapple, apples. I don't know. All sorts of things. But yeah, it was cool. It was cool just to like, like, I had never before really in my life been on such a regimented schedule, you know, like we woke up at like 7 a.m., had breakfast, started work at 8, and then like had lunch at noon, and then finished work at 5 or something, and then had dinner at 6, and then, I don't know, I like went on a hike or something, and it was just like eating three times a day at the exact same times every day, but it's like, it was awesome. uh, so, um, It's like a prison. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> except beautiful. Yes, exactly. Yeah. that's so awesome so did you do you feel like you appreciated this like having a schedule did it somehow set you up later for later in life you think uh (laughs) (laughs) um I mean it was perfect for that point in my life you know like I that was also my first time like traveling alone and just sort of like not only was I traveling alone but I was I was in Hawaii, it's like in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, jungles, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're just surrounded by ocean, and you just feel really small. And that was the first time I ever saw a lunar eclipse, and I just my my life changed. And oh I don't my know. Gosh. It, was, it was like one of those things that if I went back and did it now, I would probably have a completely different experience. But it was perfect for, like I said, like just the life shift totally. that I would go through, and it was. It was great. I would recommend it to anybody. <laughs> oh, I love it. You're like tearing up talking about it. It's like, it's so uh, amazing. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I miss those. I miss, miss that time. It's like a, it's a special, special shift, I guess. Yeah. So how long ago was that? <laughs> um, That was in 2013, I believe. Oh, so not actually so, that long ago. Okay. Yeah. 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 Stuff happens fast. So then you come back from Hawaii mm-hmm. and what happens? Um, so I came back from Hawaii and I wasn't going back to school. Um, and I, I just sort of had this like void in my life. Like it was like this creative void, you know, like I didn't, farming is an art, 
in and of itself. And so that was just, and I was doing, you know, something constantly every day, but I came back yeah. and I was like, dang, I don't, I don't really have anything to do, <laughs> you know? And yeah. so I, but I was inspired by like so many people around me. Like I said, Austin's a great place for like creatives and small businesses, and artists, musicians, like there's people doing stuff around me all the time. And so I think inevitably that sort of infiltrated my thought process. Yeah. And I was just like, what, what do I do? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. what am I at? And at the time, I sort of considered myself the type of person that was like, sort of good at a lot of things, but not really good at one thing. Mm-hmm. Which I think, you know, it, it people are, are um, different personalities are different ways. But yeah, I don't know. I, I found myself sort of in another like, deep thought process and I was like laying in my bed one day and I had this um like woven pillow that I got mm-hmm. from Target and I was just sort of like studying it like I could probably make this right like this is a thing that people do and I like it and textiles are all around me so I don't know and I at the time I guess Instagram was way different than what it is now mm-hmm. but I I had sort of seen a few people doing things like that um, in my like explore page and I don't know it just it was one of those things where I was like I know people are doing this and I like it so maybe I could figure out how to do it too yes totally I had the same thing and it was Instagram for me too like I was like yeah. uh who was it there was um there was one weaver at the time the name was her name was Chief and Cupie and now it's Kel Reynolds do you know who I'm talking about uh she's I think she's Australian Maybe I'll have her on the podcast. Anyway, um, but yeah, she did these like crazy, like super bright modern weavings. And I was like, I have not seen weaving that cool, um, like ever, you know, but I kind of knew it was like, I was familiar with it from the seventies because my mom weaved. Um, I mean, she quit it by the time I was born, but there were like remnants in the house. Uh, but yeah, no, Instagram totally did it. Do you remember, do you remember like some of those early people that you, that sort of inspired you? For sure. Um, Lucy. Poskit, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, dude. I I remember just like scrolling through her Instagram, be like, "Oh my god, this is so cool!" And she was like, she was doing stuff that was really textural at the time. Like, she was just the texture queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and I remember specifically just like screenshotting these posts where um, she would do these things that were like super bulky and texturally. Um, at the top and then she would sort of like gradient it out to just be a flat weave and I was just like that is so (laughs) and um yeah I don't know um she was a big inspiration at first and I reached out to some other people um in the beginning before I even like started weaving and I was just like hey I'm like interested in starting to do this like do you have any tips for me and like how did you start and I think I also saw some of Marianne Moody's stuff like mm-hmm. both <laughs> and um yeah but she sort of felt like this unattainable thing for me yeah for, totally like uh, there were some people that I reached out to um who were in my community and um yeah some people responded some people didn't but um I just sort of like took that and ran with it and it's kind of cool because um, people reach out to me and they do that now. Yeah. Like, yeah. Isn't it funny? Yeah, there's like full circle. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's so a flow. Funny. There's like a flow of, of how this kind of happens when you pass on your knowledge and info. It's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love that it was a Target pillow that inspired you first. That's amazing. I still have the pillow because I'm like, you know, this is such an ironic source of inspiration because now I just like, whatever. I think every creative goes to Target and they're just like, oh my God. (laughs) It's like a love-hate relationship. Totally. Totally. (laughs) It just goes to show that you can find inspiration everywhere. (laughs) Right? Yeah, Yeah. totally. Okay. So you, so how did you first figure out how to weave? Did you find an online, like a tutorial or did you take a class or what'd you do? Um, I, I YouTubed it. (laughs) I, um, yeah, I went through all of the, there honestly were not that many resources on weaving, like when I started. And I think for a lot of people who started in the past, whatever, five, 10 years, but, um, yeah, I, I, I went through and there were some tutorials, but they, they were just like ancient, you know, and I wanted to find something that felt a little bit more attainable for what I was trying to go for. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I found this tutorial. It was super basic. Basically, um, the person had like a piece of plywood and some nails and they just nailed like one line of nails at the top and one line of nails at the bottom. And they just plain weaved and, but they, um, did a demonstration on how to like change colors. And I was like, okay, great. I can do that. (laughs) And so I literally did that. I went and I bought a piece of plywood and some nails and I just, I went to Hobby Lobby and bought a bunch of yarn and I just went at it. It took me like eight hours or something. But at at the end of it, I was like, I did this. I made a thing. I made a thing. Uh, (laughs) I I had that same feeling. Yeah. There's something so magical about it because you have something to show for all of those hours. And it's like, you know, I don't know. I, I hadn't crafted in so long. And so when I ma- first made my first woven wall, wall hanging, that was exactly the feeling. Yeah. And then like and you I, get addicted. Dude. And I think like that's the type of feeling that every, everybody is searching for, you know, mm-hmm. like, and yes, it's the, it's the kind of feeling that I had whenever I was doing graphic design. I was like, Oh my God, I did a thing. Like I, 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 and I don't know, I changed the way this image looks, you know, and it's like psyched me out. But then um, I don't know, over, over time that faded and I had to acknowledge that it was okay that that faded. And I think that that happens for some people in fiber arts too, but it just hasn't yeah. happened for me. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, and I think probably, I mean, I'm just guessing, but because most of those projects were probably not for you, like they were okay. for clients or whatever. So there's only so much you can, I mean, you take ownership of the, of the final piece, but it's not like yours, you know, yeah. my brain. You yeah, know? Just, exactly. Skill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also just really, I'm stoked that like, I love how fiber arts just feels limitless to me. Like, um, there are so many things in our lives that are textiles, you know, whether it be your clothes or your, your, the throw blanket on your couch or the scarf that you wear, or it's just, it, it feels like it doesn't really matter, um, like what I'm making, I can always make something else, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if I get bored of making one thing, like I sort of stopped making um, wall hangings for a period of time because it, it got, I don't know. It just like wasn't sparking me anymore. And so I was like, I need to make this functional. I need to like make something that I can incorporate in my daily life. And, um, and I got really excited about that because it was like, I'm doing the same thing, but I'm doing it differently. Yeah, and yeah, I, totally. Yeah, I, you're one of those people that finds all different kinds of applications for it. And uh, you seem to be constantly evolving, which is super cool. I try to be. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so you were working another job at the time when you were, were discovering weaving. Um, really? and are you currently doing weaving as your full time or not just weaving, but your, your fiber, uh, yeah. practice is your full time gig now. Yeah. As of, uh, I mean, like I said, I've been working service industry ever since I was, I don't know, 15, yeah. but then I, uh, I was working mostly in like coffee shops. Um, but whenever I started weaving and then, um, I was working at the same coffee shop for the past like two and a half years or so. But then last fall, I, I told them that I was ready to like do my thing, you know, and yeah. it was, it was, they're honestly my second family. Yeah. Uh, whenever I started there, they, they asked me that interview question where they're like, where do you see yourself in five years? And I was like, you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, well, not working here, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you can't really say that in an interview. And so. Uh, but I told them, I was like, yo, I do this thing and I really love it. And, but it's like, it's not sustainable yet, but I want it to be. And I know that I can make it if I work really hard and that's where you guys come into play. <laughs> you know, you, you kind of help me build up my cushion so that I can like dive in. And whenever I sent them that email, I was like, you guys remember that talk we had in my interview? Like it's time. <laughs> and they were all so excited. So that's amazing. Yeah. I'm so supportive. And also, I have to give you mad props for being really honest um, in that interview because I would have bullshitted my way. Like, I, oh, oh yeah. well, I want to be manager someday, maybe oh, own no, my own yeah. coffee shop. I was like, you know, like, this is great and I love coffee, but I do not want to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, oh, was- awesome. So when you made the transition out, what, how was that? Like, did you prepare, how had you prepared, like, um, did you prepare in a, in a responsible way? Like, did you budget? Did you kind of figure out how much it was going to take for you to, you know, be doing this full time? Yeah. You know, it's kind of a, if you're asking if I did things like really strategically and w- waited till I had X amount of dollars in this plan, like, no, it wasn't like so regimented, but, um, you know, I've always, I don't know. I've, I've always sort of been good with my money, but then also like tried to be just intuitive with what I feel is the right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, truth be told, financially, I probably could have started doing it full time like a long time ago um, Mm -hmm. just because I don't know, like even when I was working at the coffee shop, I tried to be really good at just like saving money because you don't need to buy things all the time. And I still do buy things all the time, but you know, whatever I, but it just felt like it wasn't the right time yet. And I needed to sort of just be patient with myself and, um, and I would know when it was the right time. And, and it's kind of one of those things that people ask me like, well, how did you know? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like, how do you know you're in love? I don't like, right. you, just, <laughs> you just know, you just know. Uh, yeah. And but so it, it wasn't like a, I just need to get the hell out of this place feeling. Yeah. It was just like. You just no. knew you wanted to be doing the fiber work. Yeah. yeah. And I I think like I loved that job. I still I still go there every morning to get coffee. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so you yeah. see your family every day. <laughs> yeah, totally. And um it's I wasn't like sick of it necessarily. I just I it was I was at a point in time where I guess financially speaking, I was making as much money um with 
my personal business as I was bringing in from working at the coffee shop. And Mm -hmm. it was awesome to have those both happening at the same time. But I knew that if I eliminated one, then I would be okay. And I think, I guess that's like a pretty good marker of just being like, okay, these are the two income sources in my life. uh, And when they are like relatively equal, then I can eliminate one. Yeah, so. no, definitely. That's actually really similar to what I did. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So when you first started selling your work, uh, how did you sell it? Were you, did you do any market? Did you go straight to Etsy? Um, yeah, I, I went straight to Etsy. I I think I, pro- I'm, I don't know. I, I probably posted things on Etsy prematurely just because I was so excited, you know? Um, yeah. I, I made like probably a dozen wall hangings and I was like, I want to make so much money, you know, and uh, I look at those now and I'm just like, I don't know, like a five-year-old would make those, but, uh, you know, it's like an important part of my process and journey and, uh, it is what it is and people bought them, which is so (laughs) but, um, yeah, I, I did some pop-up markets, um, like vending at the farmer's market and things like that. I would like share booths. Um, at first and that was cool but like I said also I just feel like my work was um, sort of premature for that type of display but also a really um, it was a total learning experience totally, you know? yeah, like yeah. putting yourself out there having conversations about your work watching people interact with it without really like talking to them first you know like just seeing the way people um, viewed what I made with their like body language. I don't right. know. I was just, it was a people watching experience, but also totally a conversational experience. Um, and it really helped me sort of decide that maybe I needed to refine my body of work before I like do this again. And, um, so I waited honestly like a year and a half or something before I did another pop-up and I was like really nervous about doing it again because I was afraid of that feeling, you know, right. of it not being ready but then I did it and I was like this is amazing I want to do this all the time this is so fun I love talking to people oh that's awesome yeah doing markets is such a different sort of um it's like a different game because you really have to I mean you have to think about so many things I've only done a couple and it just made me realize like you have to be strategic about where where your booth is placed um how a it's set up. up yeah no exactly and then also like trying just trying to get people's attention because mm-hmm. it's they're so easy to just walk by sometimes and yeah. it's yeah so it's a whole different animal and like honestly figuring out like depending on the market you have to figure out what type of things would sell at that type mm-hmm. of market you know like if you're gonna go to a market that's like mostly ceramics and you have like a bunch of ball hangings or something I don't know it's like you have to kind of figure out what the target audience of the market is and also what's a good price point for people who are just going to be like accidental buyers like they didn't come to see me but like how can I rope them in with something that is like something you can justify just randomly buying you know like a lot of times people can't justify randomly buying like a $300 wall hanging of course (laughs) no of course not it's it's like like $40 is max at a lot of markets you know figure out what is going to be good to bring to the market and worth my time to prep you know so definitely yeah, I don't know. It's exciting. What were people's first reactions like? Um, I remember when I did mine, just in my community. I mean, I was in Jersey City at the time, and like nobody had seen fiber art, and mm-hmm. it was just they looked at it like it was alien. 
like, what yeah. is this? What do I do with it? I'm like, uh, it's, you put it on your wall, you know, but, yeah, um, but it might be different for you because you're in Austin, which is so, I don't know, it's just, uh, it's creative in a, in a much different way. So um, yeah. had they, had most of the people had some interaction with fiber art before and like, were they kind of familiar or were there just some like blank stares? Yeah, I think it's kind of a mix of both. Um, you know, it's funny that like Austin is such a creative community, but the fiber artist pool is so small. Mm -hmm. Like, or if, yeah, um, I think that when I first put my work out there, like people had seen it, but not really, you know? Um, and I think it's, it might honestly just be sort of like a geographical thing, like wool and weaving. It's like, it's like warm textures and, you know, uh, and people don't really want to buy that stuff when it's like a hundred degrees. Right. Outside. Right. No, it's true. Um, and so I would be doing these pop-ups in like midsummer selling these like wool wall hangings and people were just like, Ugh, get that away from me. <laughs> right. Right. So, like sweating, you know, dripping sweat. Yeah. Like a, that's the last thing I want a popsicle, you know, like right. I don't need a, but, um, all that to say, like there were people that were stoked about it and people that had questions and I was, uh, you know, I think I was, and still am like, I, I love what I do. So I love talking about it. And I think that that passion is sort of something that people can sense when they, um, ask me questions. You know, I love like going to other markets and booths and hearing people talk about what they love. Yeah. I feel like that's just sort of like this, um, if, if you're talking about something that you're passionate about, people can feel it whether or not, whether you know it or not, you know? And I, I think that's so cool. Totally. Like your, the, your face lights up when you're talking about it, you know, and you want to get into the details. Um, yeah, no, it's so Even if they don't understand the details at all, like I want to just dive in and explain everything, but in steps, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So, um, uh, let's talk about like your creative process. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess now you're focusing, you've been focusing, well, maybe not. You've been doing a lot of jewelry, mm-hmm. uh, but then you've also been doing some kind of ropey, what do you, what do you call them? I remember there, it was like, yes, yeah, it was like the best wall name. Noodles. Wall noodles, wall noodles. Yeah. That's so doodles. awesome. Oh, doodles, doodles, sorry. Yeah. Wall doodles, yes. Uh, <laughs> it's the yeah. perfect name for it, doodle, though. Doodle. I don't know. Yeah, maybe we just renamed them. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, yeah, um... Jewelry has sort of been a big hit. Just um, A, I think it's a good price point for people. B, it's just, it's accessible. It's fun. It's something that you like incorporate in your daily life. Um, and I, I sort of started making jewelry because like I said earlier, I, I kind of got a little tired of like making wall hangings. I, mm-hmm. um, and I don't ever want to like talk down on them because it was it was my origin you know like it was that was how I fell in love and I still obviously have wall hangings all over my house and they I they totally add to my space but as as for um what I found myself like excited to make um mm-hmm. sort of the the spark was fading for wall hangings and so I was like I want something that I can use or something that is um sort of more incorporated into the daily Ellen, you know? Yeah. Um, and so what can I make that I, I can like choose to interact with? And so, um, yeah, I sort of shifted away from making, making wall hangings and started making jewelry. And that was, um, really fun. And I also sort of, I don't know, I love 
like the joy that was shared between that exchange because it was something that um, I originally made my first pair of earrings when I was feeling like really down (laughs) and I wanted to um, make something that made me feel good. I don't know. That made me like feel beautiful. That made me uh, feel like proud, you know? Uh, And so I made this thing and I was like, oh my God, I love this. And I put it on and I was like, I love I love what I'm doing. I love myself. That's great. You know, it was like this sort of uh, moment of adoration for my process. And, you know, even if people who buy them are not buying them for that purpose, like you still buy jewelry to like, yeah, girl, you got them. (laughs) (laughs) I kid you not. These are literally the only earrings I ever wear because they're so light. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and also obviously like awesome and gorgeous, but (laughs) And that was that was another huge thing for me is because I I I'm always wearing studs because I don't like feeling the stuff hanging on my ears. Mm -hmm. But so I was like, how can I make something that? And honestly, you know, I I didn't create tassel earrings. You know, that is definitely a thing that existed before I came around. But I just sort of wanted to figure out how I could make it look like they came from me. Mm -hmm. And um, I at the time had been using lots of copper, and I was like, I I don't really find like earring findings that are copper like it's mostly gold silver brass um and so yeah I don't know that felt really cool to just sort of source something that um I felt like nobody else was using and I really liked the way it looked and I liked wearing it and um I liked sharing that joy with other people because you buy jewelry to like kind of honor yourself and you wear it totally you know it's like and so I, I love that. It was like this contagious thing that still keeps me making jewelry. It's <laughs> so. so awesome. Yeah. Um, did you go through a lot of versions before you landed on the Maggie's that are what they are today? Well, it, it's funny because um, the original pair of Maggie's that I made were the cream uh, Maggie's that, and on, like they look basically exactly the same. But I, I did a lot of like, um, I think most of the prototyping was figuring out the right hardware. And that's where I was just, I dug into the depths of the internet to find copper. That something that I wanted to wear. And um, so honestly, no, like the first pair is basically what they look like now, but because I did so much looking. um, And I also wanted to make sure that, whatever I created wasn't going to like turn people's ears green and just like be gross after the first like three times you wear them. And so that was a, another, like I did a bunch of research, you know, I was like, how do I, how do I make sure that whatever hardware I ended up purchasing is not gonna, uh, you know, end up being like a terrible quality. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's important. And actually at, at your, at your price point, the quality and the fact that they don't turn my ears green. And I'm, I'm actually, it's weird. I'm actually allergic to most, uh, most metals that are not like gold or sterling silver. Really? Um, and I get a crazy allergic reaction, but these don't do anything, which is so weird to me. I was like, what is the, I don't even know what, what they are. Is it just copper? I guess I'm not allergic. I guess I'm not allergic to copper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Straight up copper. Um, well that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I, some allergies are so different and that's just like a it's kind of this nervous feeling that I have about making jewelry because I don't obviously yeah, I don't want somebody to buy something and be excited about buying something from me and then like I don't yeah. know have this crazy reaction and then I feel responsible for that but um 
Yeah, they seem to be well received in the allergy department. Yes, they definitely <laughs> so, are. Um, yeah, they're safe. But, totally. Um, so why did you yeah. call them Maggie's? Um, they weren't originally called Maggie's. They were just called like copper tassel earrings. Um, but it's funny. I actually, um, you know, as a small business owner, you're always sort of like learning and growing and changing and. Um, a lot of the like jewelry designers, small business jewelry designers that I looked up to, um, they had like names for their mm-hmm. jewelry. And I was just like, that's a thing. People do that. Like what, like why? <laughs> but it also just sort of, yeah, it gave them sort of like this like personality. Thing. It's like a thing to call them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what the heck could I name my jewelry? That seems so weird. But, and I'm like, I have name anxiety about just naming things the wrong thing. Um, having kids is probably gonna be really tough for me, <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, you take this like ownership and responsibility for what it's going to be called for the rest of this, its existence. Yeah. But, um, I was like the only like names that I was already comfortable with were names of my pets. And so, um, Maggie was the dog that my dad had in college and it's basically like what Luna is to me Maggie was to my dad and um I have a picture of her that my mom gave me and I was like looking at it and I was like you know what Maggie's a great name like I'll just name him you know I'll I'll name mine after my the pets in my life and of course eventually I'm going to run out of pet names but we also had a lot of pets (laughs) (laughs) it seemed like um the easiest click, I guess. Yeah, and they're they're pretty in a weird in a way. I don't know. It's like a it's just a friendly good name. I don't know. You know how yeah. some some names like turn really turn people off or yeah, totally. you know it's not that kind of name. So that's good. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because like Maggie was a Maggie was like a scruffy old mutt dog. You know she was I, we kind of shaggy Maggie. You know, Aww, and I just cute. thought it was funny that like the tassels are just sort of like you know it's like ear shag. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably like the least appealing way to put them, but I don't know. It kind of makes me laugh. So, yeah. Oh, no, that's I mean, awesome. Uh, cool. Yeah. Um, so, what is, you know, so beyond that, so say you're stuck on designing something. How do you go about getting unstuck? Uh, um, well, I've sort of, I have come to terms with the fact that the ebb and flow is inevitable, you know, Mm -hmm. like the first time I sort of went through like a dip in inspiration, I was like, Oh my God, this is it. Like I'm not weaving anymore. You know, like, uh, this is, you know, I, I'm not as into it. This as I thought I was like, this is over. I don't know. And it, I just went through this like monumental, uh, like existential crisis basically where I was like, is this, you know, is this the same as graphic design? Like, am I done? Does this not spark joy anymore? But I think that's where sort of like the instinct came back into play. And I was just like, no, Ellen, you're just like, you're a human being and you're not meant to be on all the time. Mm -hmm. And this is okay. And you just sort of have to, um, not fight it as hard as you are, you know, like, I feel like people in this, uh, like time where, we're constantly being shown new things, new things, new mm-hmm. things. And, and, you know, as a designer, like 
you feel this pressure to keep up with that pace. And sometimes that's like not always realistic and you have to kind of respect your mental health first. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like maybe if I was a team of five people, then I could be like, yo guys, I'm not feeling great lately. Like you guys take the reins. I'm just going to like self-soothe for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's just me, you know? So I, when I'm feeling down, I'm feeling down and I just got to like be patient with that. And, um, you know, do things that make you feel good. Like for me, I like going outside and swimming and going on a hike or whatever the season may be. Um, and I think that's just like a good place to reconnect and like feel calm. But, um, totally. Yeah. Uh, and then also just like during that time, uh, my sort of, I guess, mantra for lack of a better word, just, became keep showing up you know Mm -hmm. I even if it was just like to sit at my desk and like doodle or reorganize or just sort of like be in the space and uh I don't know just to sort of like give it intention Mm -hmm. um, that just sort of let myself know that this is something that I'm still into but I'm I'm just not feeling 100% and I know that I'll I'll get there, you know, but I have to keep showing up in order for it to, sh- you know, for it to reveal itself to me. So right, right. I don't know. Yeah. That's no, like definitely. the realest part of creating. <laughs> well, yeah. And actually to, if, when I guess I, I found that I just took like an eight month hiatus on like making macrame and I finally made something over the weekend. And I, I almost think like, well, first of all, that was way too long of a hiatus. I, I think, <laughs> I think like, I agree with you. I feel like you have to do a little bit every day just to like, yeah not that you're going to lose it, but it helps you stay connected to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's a really good piece of advice actually is just, and sorry. No, uh, yeah, yeah. Just to, I posted a little thing um, on Instagram, maybe like, I don't know, a month or two or three time flies. I don't know. Um, but it was basically this wall hanging that I made that literally was on my loom for like six months. I don't know if you remember that. I remember I it. Like, you guys, uh, this is the realest part of sometimes not feeling inspired. And, um, but it was one of those things that it just sort of became this like symbol of guilt for me. Like, why can't I just finish yes. it? Why can't I just finish it? But it's also, I love that wall hanging because, you know, I would sit down at my loom whenever I was feeling inspired and weave like two inches and then be like, Oh, I hate this. And then I would just <laughs> yeah. leave, you know? And then, uh, but every two inches is like a different stage of that process. And so, and then it was finally done and I cut it off and I was just like, this is so me, you know? Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I actually it, love this. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then at the end I was just like, you know what? It's a, it's okay to be patient with that process. And this is why, you know, yeah. like, um, even if I, every two inches, I hated it, but then, you know, at the end of it, I'm just like, this is, this is Ellen in a weaving. <laughs> and I think that's just a great reminder to just sort of be patient and um, keep showing up. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, it's it's such good advice. Just keep showing up. Yeah. Um, do you have any like habits or rituals or practices that you, that are sort of like non-negotiables that you do in your life to help you either like get centered or just, you know, stay healthy or? Yeah. Um, well, my boyfriend and I, we, we, every single morning we get up and go get coffee together and 
you know, we could make it at home. But uh, like I said, I like to visit my old coffee shop, which is also where we met. So oh, it's just like nice. we both know everybody that works there. And it's just like a nice little ritual to have. And we sit outside and we drink our coffee and then we start the day. And that's just sort of something that has become part of my process. But then also um, we have in the summertime, especially we have this thing where we have to we have to take a day off and go swimming once a week. Um, oh, that's awesome. And it just allows us to sort of like check out and be in the sun and uh, be in the water and just sort of, I don't know, we go to Barton Springs, which is a spring fed pool here in Austin. So it's not like chlorine or whatever, but um, yeah, it's great. It's, it's weird how your problems just dissolve the second you jump in. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, so that's sort of been a non-negotiable lately because I'll be like really stressed out and grumpy and then we'll have that day. And then it's just like, man, I'm blissed out. Life's good. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. Oh, that oh. sounds so nice too. Like natural spring. Oh, oh and probably gosh. so good and for your skin too. When it's a hundred degrees out, like it's, it's hard not to just go every day. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, just kind of being on that schedule is a nice little, little treat. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Um, in your day, how, in a, or I guess maybe in a typical week, like how much time do you spend um, actually making, concepting, marketing, <laughs> Instagramming? Oh, man. Like all day, every day, <laughs> except for that swimming day. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, you know, I, uh, ever since quitting the coffee shop, it was sort of like whenever I was working there, it was a lot easier to be like, okay, these are the exact amount of times that I can be working on Fibrous. And mm. then um but then whenever my schedule my other schedule at the coffee shop just sort of disappears it's like whoa I can work on fibers whenever I want you know and that is sort of a blessing and a curse because not only that but my studio is um currently at my house and so I can literally just like be working and at home all day um so to answer your question, I honestly have no idea, but it feels like I work every single day for like at least eight hours. But some of that is also like, I don't know, petting Luna. And <laughs> uh, but uh, I I work every day, honestly, yeah. except for except for the one swimming day. But even on that day, sometimes I come home and like make earrings. So um, I think that will change as soon as I move into my shared studio, um, which is happening so soon. Probably by the time this podcast is out, like I'll be in the studio already. Oh, cool. Um, Who uh, who are you sharing with? So um, it's, I'm one of six girls. We're sharing a 1600 square foot space. So we each kind of get like a little good chunk and um, it's, it is, we're called Broad Studios and there are three ceramicists, one painter, one um, natural dyer. She makes like silk scarves and cool. other things. Um, and myself. So we're kind of like a multidisciplinary studio, which will be awesome for like, you know, just sort of collaborating, but then also sort of keeping each other accountable, being inspired by each other's processes, just being in a creative space with other people. Um, or even just being around other people, period. Yeah, yeah, that totally. Realize, but I've needed, like, ever since I quit the coffee shop, it's like, you, you kind of get that vague social feel of just being around people that you don't realize you really need until you're 
constantly in a solitary practice. Yeah, so. definitely. Well, and I'm sure it's going to be inspiring just to be around the different media, you know, the different media and, um, okay. and just yeah. the different personalities. I'm sure there's just, yeah. there's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see what comes out of you in the next it's, year or so. It's like exciting and scary at the same time because, you know, moving into a studio is kind of like moving into a house with a bunch of roommates and mm-hmm. you don't, you just never know until you know, you know, but I think like we meet once a week and we sort of have, um, up until we move in, we've sort of just been like planning and figuring out like what this is going to look like. And a bunch of the other girls already share a studio space. So they kind of know the flow of things. As for me, I'm like, this is a whole new territory, but. <laughs> oh, it's going to um, be so cool. I, yeah, I bet. Good. And then you can have like, you can have like studio sales and like yeah. open it up to people and oh, how fun. Yeah. Cool. Every um, fall, Austin does this thing called the East Austin Studio Tour. Um, and it's basically just like this studio crawl all across the east um, east side. There are so many art studios and so many people doing stuff, and it's it's like hundreds of hundreds of stops, um, and it's awesome. People come out in huge crowds and they just like walk around and see what you're doing and where you're doing it, and a lot of times they like buy your stuff. And yeah about being a part of that so uh, Austin is yeah. so cool like that just that there are so many artistic people and like you can be part that of that community fun. and yeah totally yeah. that's very cool yeah <laughs> so um do people uh do you take commissions on your work I do yeah um it's kind of it's a different like process every time for the most part um I've taken some like custom jewelry requests, but mm-hmm. then also like most of the commissions are wall hangings and things that people want for their space. Um, and yeah, it's, there's not really like a, a, a textbook format that I follow. It's kind of just like be open to the customer, see mm-hmm. what they want, what their space is like, what their budget's like. And, you know, we try to work with them to figure out exactly like what, um, what can work for both of us. So. Right. Right, cool. I don't know. It's fun. Yeah. I don't do it like too often, but every once in a while, like people will see like smaller weavings that I've done. They're like, do you do this? But like bigger. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, totally. Let's talk. And um, yeah, we've, I've had some really cool pieces come out of that. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about Instagram. Mm. <laughs> how do you feel about Instagram? Well, I wanted to say, like, you know how you were saying that the spark sort of started, you know, it started waning for wall hangings. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel like that had something to do with um, Instagram being uh, like just so much more fiber art saturated than it was when you first started? Yeah, um, totally. I mean, I think that was most of that feeling because um, that. Every time I would scroll through Instagram, and you know, this is probably not the case for people who are not fiber artists, but Instagram knows that I'm a fiber artist, yes. and um, so everything that it shows me is like wall hanging, wall hanging, wall hanging, wall hanging, and yes. I'm like, okay, so what am I in this whole jumble? Yeah. And not that wall hangings, like I said, aren't great, but I just wanted to figure out a way to make them me because I didn't really feel like my wall hangings were were me. You know, like mm-hmm. I would make stuff of all different types and it was just like what is my style when it comes to a wall hanging I have no idea and that that was honestly like my the feeling that I didn't really have a voice when it came to wall hangings was something that made me feel like I needed to step away from them but then that's why I started making the doodles because I was like 
I, I, I know that I still want to make stuff for, you know, an interior space, mm-hmm. but what, how can I revisit that idea while still making it something that like resonates with me? And I wanted to make it interactive. I wanted to make it like, um, I don't know, just sort of something that was meant to change. Um, and so, yeah, I just started making these like bindi pieces, but it was totally Instagram that, uh, yeah, I kind of felt like everything was really saturated, but some people are so great about, um, sort of establishing their wall hanging aesthetic. Yeah, I no, they really are. I, I, I'm, I marvel all the time. I think that's probably why I took, Oh, hi. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if you guys are watching the video, then you'll see that her cat came in the screen. But if you're just <laughs> listening to the podcast, <laughs> maybe she'll do a couple of meows for us. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah, cute. She just woke up from her nap. She's just like scratching me. I love that. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, Instagram is funny like that. Um, I, Yeah, I feel like I took, I, I probably took a break because I was just, I, I'm looking at so much macrame every single day. So mm. I didn't, I really started to feel like I didn't have a point of view. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I guess you just have to keep doing it to get there, you know, and then your mm. work starts to develop a, a look of its own. And, you know, I think it, t- it takes time. Yeah. Certainly. And, and a lot of experimentation and just doing what feels right. Right. Totally. And I sort of felt like, I wasn't with Instagram. I felt like the lines were too blurred. Like I couldn't tell what I was truly like wanting to make and what I was sort of like blending together of things that I've seen, Mm -hmm. you know, because I, like I said, like every scroll is a wall hanging basically. And so I was just like, is the, are the wall hangings that I'm making like truly coming from me or are they just sort of like this hodgepodge of influence, which is also totally fine, but it was something that uh, I was just thirsty to make work that I felt like I hadn't seen before. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I think that that was just where I was at at the time. And some people are, like I said, really good at, um, yeah, sticking with it, making work and like your voice just sort of comes out of that. And but I just, I felt like I wasn't, I wasn't doing that well. Mm. <laughs> and so, yeah. And, you know, that was just something that I, I had to, that was another thing. I just had to be patient with it, you know, like stepping away and then revisiting it was necessary for me. Right. And, yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, what do you find to be like, uh, the most challenging part about being a small business owner and, and an artist and, you know, all of that kind of combined? Oh, um, there are so many challenging parts, but I think, I think you just, um, time management is sometimes hard, but also I think you just have to, you have to be okay with like constantly being challenged and being willing to face that challenge. Mm -hmm. And I think like I'm a serial problem solver. (laughs) So I, um, you know, I, I, I find something that's complicated or, hard to figure out and I'm just like okay I got this you know and I think that it sort of takes that attitude to be a small business owner is to just sort of have like this go get them attitude and I think a lot of times you know we're sort of used to um people sort of laying it out for us and you just don't get that 
um, especially I never went to school for this. And so there are so many things that I've had to figure out along the way. You just have to be okay with like getting told no and um, getting turned down and sort of, I don't know, just like rolling with the punches. And, you know, I think they have to do that in any, any avenue of life, but um, especially when you're like a, a sole proprietor, mm-hmm. you just you have to be okay with like taking that blow every single time and yeah, figuring you really out do how to just, make it better. Exactly. You just have to figure it out. Just do it to yeah. figure it out. And I keep thinking about like school and the things you learn in school and even probably MBA programs. Like there's no, there's no better way to learn than to own your own business. Yeah. It's like, just like, you just have to do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, you know, you remember when you first started, like even shipping felt hard. Oh my God. Like, you're I'm just like, like how? How? why is this so expensive? Is this stupid? You know, it's just like, yeah, I think pricing is the biggest learning curve for mm-hmm. sure. And, um, that is something that, you know, I'm years in and I'm still growing in terms of that. Uh, but writing things down, making lists, staying organized, having spreadsheets, do whatever you got to do. But I, you can't keep everything in your brain because it just, I don't know, it gets too muddled up there. And so I, Mm -hmm. I have to put it out in front of me because, you know, and like say for jewelry, I would have to remember, like in order to make things consistent, I would have to write down like, this is how many feet of rope I need for this thing or, and, you know, I think in the beginning, I'm just like willy nilly making stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like this process. And then you make something and you're like, wait, how did they make that? Because I need to make it again. Right. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so the organization and the, the problem solving has always been something that's growing and I hope will continue to grow. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sure that, that kind of thing, like totally is just one of those things that it evolves and it grows because you're, you're learning more as you do mm-hmm. it. And the more you keep doing it, it just, you know, it gets better and you get better, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, one could hope. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, so what are your goals with Fibrous? Like your, what are your, if, if you were to try to look in the future five years with Fibrous, what would you want to see it become? <laughs> like that interview question. <laughs> what do you see yourself in five years? Um, well, I think I'm taking a huge um, step right now with the studio. The studio, yeah, totally. Because as of right now, Fibrous has only ever existed in my home space. And um, I've known people who have you know, started in the home and then went to a studio and found that that wasn't for them. And I'm totally open to that being the case for me. Um, but, uh, I think that it could also just, um, provide the space for me to grow in ways that I haven't yet. Mm -hmm. I would love to like hire people. That would be so cool. I would love to, um, do like installation work. Um, I, I think that, yeah, there's a part of me that feels like maybe I haven't made so much bigger work because I haven't really had the space to work big. Mm-hmm. But now that I have a bigger space to work big, maybe I will work big, you know? Yeah, like make a and, giant loom and oh, yeah. how fun is that? Yeah, or, you know, I just, I don't know. Like the possibilities feel 
really open right now with the excitement of a new space. And there are just, like you said, you know, with being around other, other mediums, I, there's just so much room. And I like, I don't, I'm the type of person that I don't really put expectations on things, but I, I know when I feel excited and I know when it's like a good fear or, um, I, I don't know to say that I have like specific goals, not necessarily, but I do want to hire someone. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. Um, so right now you currently sell your work on Etsy. I know that the jewelry is there. Um, do you sell anywhere else? Do you wholesale your, the jewelry to yeah, do you sell I, the boutiques and stuff? Totally. Yeah. I wholesale. And then I also, like I sell on Etsy and on my website. Um, oh, right, I right. just recently set up my webs, like my personal web, web store web shop. Yeah. But I, um, I still find that most of my traffic comes from Etsy just cause it's like this worldwide platform. And if people want to, if people know about me and they want to specifically buy from me, then they go to my web store. Right. But I don't know. That's more often than not the case. Uh, um, I actually had a conversation <laughs> with the CEO of Etsy last week. Whoa. And he told Damn. me they have 30 million unique users um, a month, I think that was. Anyway, it's crazy. <laughs> like, it's like something huge. And I was like, because, you know, I, t- I mean, I told him, I'm, don't worry, I'm never going to quit Etsy. But like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, and some people think it's like Etsy's too, too oversaturated and blah, blah, blah. But like, I actually think it's, I still think it's great. I think it's yeah. where people automatically go when they want something special. So totally. Yeah. And you yeah. can like, it's really pretty interesting. Like, I'm a huge fan of Etsy just because I feel like they, um, it feels like they've sort of had my back every step of the way, you know, like in the times when I was trying to figure out how to price my work, they sent out like this email and they were like, trying to figure out how to price your work, <laughs> take this e-course. And I'm like, totally. Oh, shit, how did you know? <laughs> or I don't know. Um, they've had, you know, they like offer healthcare now, which is awesome. And they give you all the stats of where your traffic comes from. They make shipping a breeze. Yep. I mean, I, I just, I feel like, um, they're constantly looking at ways to grow and also still have that like human small business quality. And I really appreciate that because, you know, some businesses like get too big and you're just, you just sort of become a number in their Mm -hmm. system. But I feel like they've done a really good job of being like, yo, you're doing a great job and we're here to help you. (laughs) I agree. I so agree. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. So what kind of motivates you most these days and has that evolved over time? Like from when you first started making wall hangings and thinking it might become a business to now? Yeah. I mean, honestly, everything has changed since I started and like in the best way. And I, I hope it continues to change. Um, what motivates me is my to-do list, which is awesome that it's even a thing. Um, you know, because in the beginning, I just, you know, I'd make something every once in a while. And it was like something that I did to feel good and calm down. And and now it's my job. And but it still makes me feel good. It's like, it's this daily reminder that I get to be like, 
grateful to do something that I love and people pay me for it. Like yeah. that's so. <laughs> and it's very so empowering, beautiful. right? It's so yeah, empowering it's like, and like it gives you like full confidence in who you are as a person and like, you know, yeah. what your capabilities are, you know? Like, yeah. Like, you can do anything you set your mind to. Yeah. And I, people say that, but I'm living proof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, so awesome. Yeah. I don't know. My motivation is you know, it, it's one of those things where I'm grateful to constantly have things to do. And, you know, if the harder I work, the more my grandfather always used to say work expands to fill the time allotted. And, mm. you know, I was just like, what? You're crazy, grandpa. Mm. But now I'm now I'm in that boat where it's like I I can work as hard as I want to. And as much time as I want to give this, um, I will have things to do if I find them and yep. um sometimes those things find me and that's equally as awesome <laughs> so yeah Definitely. I, he knew what he was talking about basically. yeah I know that's really it's interesting <laughs> I had to ponder that for a while <laughs> I know it's one of those things where it doesn't necessarily always click at the beginning but then you're just you're in it and you're like okay yeah this like totally makes sense but yeah, yeah no I get it like I'm feeling it even with this podcast <laughs> Yeah, you know, like yeah. I never would have thought that I'd do this or or even that I had the time, but it's like you just make it, you know, if there's something you want to do, you can make the time for it. So Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Cool. <laughs> um, is there anything going on that you want to self promote? Self promote. Is uh, there anything going on that you want to promote? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, studio is happening. It's mm -hmm. awesome. I feel like if people are interested in that type of thing, um we are we are really trying to focus on like community art and um, art education and so we're going to be teaching a lot of workshops which oh, cool. um, I I don't like normally do as a regular part of my thing so I guess that's another goal is like getting better at teaching workshops and um, sort of being a voice in the community for fiber arts yeah not that I own it or whatever but you know I just want to be able to spread that joy for other people if they're interested in it totally but then um yeah, we're also like trying to have guest teachers, people, you know, there are people who want to travel for their art and teach workshops. And, you know, there are some people who have hit me up and be like, hey, I'm coming to Austin. Like, can I, do you know of anywhere where I can teach a workshop? And I'm like, yo, come to our space. <laughs> but awesome. yeah, um, we have, yeah, I think we're really excited about that. And um, what's it called again? Broad, Broad Studios? Broad Studios, like awesome. Broad City, but Broad Studios. <laughs> because it's a bunch of broads. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's I love a it. Broad spectrum of art. I don't know. It's a double entendre. Yeah, no, it's great. I love <laughs> it. What's the uh, What's the address so people can check it out if they're local to Austin? Yeah. Well, so we're at um, we're at this sort of like art complex called Springdale General, okay. um, which is at the intersection of Airport and Springdale on the east side of Austin. Um, I think the address is like one zero two three Springdale Road. Cool. But yeah, well, there, is there signage or like is it? Yeah. Is it street level or? Yeah, I mean it's like um, it's just it's a huge thing. Like you honestly like okay. can't miss it. Um, but we're building number six, and we are um, we haven't moved in yet, but by the time this comes out, we probably yeah. will have, and yeah. yes, we'll have a sign. <laughs> awesome. That's so fun. Yeah. Oh, I'm so it. excited for you, Ellen. Oh, thanks. Cool. Okay. So, um, just a couple like speed round questions. They're like random. Um, okay. 
If you were a color, what would you what color would you be? Uh peach. I don't know. Ooh, speak like round. It. That's it's... like I'm supposed to answer quickly. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, first yeah, sure. First thing that comes to your mind. <laughs> okay. Um, what is one of the things on your bucket list? Ooh. Or places, um, maybe places to visit. Places. Um, I've always well, I always want to go to islands. I mean, but I think that is that's just like the summer baby in me that just always wants to be by the ocean. But um, I've also always wanted to see Taj Mahal and the Coliseum. Oh, so awesome. two totally different places, but um, I, I don't know. My, I just resonate with those for some reason. Yeah. So, one of these yeah. days when there's time to travel. Yeah, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, if you had one free hour a day, what would you do with it? Ooh. One free hour a day. Anything? I mean – drink margarita and go swimming <laughs> awesome <laughs> my kind of girl <laughs> is that, is that yeah um, um let's see uh what is your current favorite book podcast or tv show Ooh, um i really love atlanta the oh, TV so show. good so oh, good but honestly i just love donald Glover, yeah so. yeah. <laughs> yeah oh we talked um, about this yeah he's such a talent it's ridiculous yeah, totally so that really into that show right now. Um, podcasts, hopefully this one. <laughs> um, I hope so too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I imagine you're going to have lots of inspiring voices on this. So I'm excited to hear their stories. But Me there's too. another podcast called, um, oh gosh, How I Made This. And it's it's another like kind of origin story podcast. It's an NPR thing. but Yes, I've um, heard it a couple times. Yeah. It's really good. Super, you know, big companies like Patagonia and Airbnb. And it's just like, how did this come about? And yeah. Like, you know, are you? you know, and it's really cool to sort of put the, put the human element behind those businesses. Cause they just sort of seem like this huge. Thing, yeah. Know? Like hearing from the CEO and you yeah, know, where yeah. it came from. It's like, Oh, you're a total human. And this is just an idea you had one day and yeah. you're just like me. <laughs> and then they so. get like huge, huge. So then it kind of gives you this feeling like, Hey, why? Yeah, why couldn't it be me? You yeah, know, exactly. that's pretty cool. I was listening to this one episode. Oh gosh, I think it was like the Kendra Scott episode. I hope I'm not misquoting that, but um, she's an awesome base designer, and the she totally like started in a room in her house, and now she's like this multi million dollar thing, and mm -hmm. that's so awesome. But I just remember I like was kind of getting emotional in the episode because she talked about how she like was just doing like um, trade shows and things like that. And then she got an order from Nordstrom and it was just her. And so she had to like oh, God. scramble and like hire her friends basically and, and make all these pieces and like in her living room or something like that. And then, you know, UPS came and they picked him up from her house. And I just, I was like, tearing up because it, I was also in the middle of like my fall rush of just like making all this stuff and I was like oh my god like this is me you know like this could totally be me and it was just this really really uh the episode hit home even though I like yeah I don't even wear Kendra Scott or whatever it's not really like my style but it like I said it's yeah, great that, to put like the human element behind it all totally the, just the ins ins inspiring stories that people you know mm -hmm. So yeah, cool. Awesome. Um, okay, last question. What is your current 
favorite Instagram account? Ooh, oh my God. Um, oh, well, there are so many. I know. And, and I'm making you pinpoint one. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I feel like, okay, so maybe I'll just say one that's like not a fiber artist. Um, I follow like a lot of pottery Instagram accounts, but there's all, oh man, everybody will know this one. Um, or a lot of people. Maybe not. Uh, maybe not. You'd be she's a woodworker in California. Yeah. I yeah, think I like, her. so many people follow her. I mean, she's great. And she sort of, um, like she achieved that whole like personal brand mm-hmm. thing. I think where she incorporates like her work and her life in her Instagram, which is what I try to do. And I, I admire and appreciate that. And I think other people do too, because like I said, I think we're all just looking for like the human element behind success stories. And mm-hmm. she's a pretty good example of that. So um, even if her life sort of seems like a dream. It's uh, totally a dream. I was like, how no. is this her real life? Right. And I feel so weirdly fangirly about it. But at the same time, I'm like, she's just doing her thing. And like, so am I. And that's awesome. You know? And I don't know. It, I'm sure so many people listening to this <laughs> follow her too. But if you don't, you should check. Well, out. I'm sure we kind of all feel the same way about it. Like, oh, I wish that was my life. But also it kind of shows you that everybody really is just a person, you know, like we're all totally just normal people, even if we fangirl over wh- whomever, you know, like yeah, yeah, someone sure. with 200,000 or 1 million followers or whatever. And it's just, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm even reaching out to people to see if they'll want to do the podcast. I'm like, oh, they're, maybe they're way out of the reach, way, way yeah, out of my reach. But like, you just got to do it. You reach out and most people answer back. So, I mean, and at the end of the day, like, I don't know, like, no matter how many followers you have, like, you still have some of the same problems. Like, her work has been copied, too. And, mm-hmm. like, she's had, like, insane struggles with, like, financial side of things and just, like, finding a workspace. And, you know, like, and I could name, you know, a dozen other accounts who have talked about the same stuff. And yeah. I think it's just about, like, um, it's about, the, like, the ability to be vulnerable about those things is, I think, the key because, I, like, you can look at, curated perfect Instagram feeds all day and like yeah it's cool to have nice pictures but also like have honest real captions yeah it's like that's that's the juice (laughs) it is it is I know they were talking about how blogging kind of is going by the wayside because people are using Instagram more like a blog um yeah and it's true but that's the part yeah those are the ones those are the pictures and the stories and the people that I like reading and following most is like the people who get real and aren't afraid to uh, maybe say something controversial or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Speak out about what yeah. you believe. It doesn't matter if it's related to your art form or not. Like, this is your voice and and uh, your humanity is part of that. And I think that that's, like, really inspiring. Yeah, and I think we, like, sometimes get afraid of, to, you know, we'll, we'll post something controversial or something and, like, you're afraid of losing followers. But you then you step back and realize that as many as you you're going to lose, like you're going to gain as well. So yeah, it's just about staying true to yourself. Like mm-hmm. I don't care about losing the followers who don't resonate with my beliefs because like, I don't know, don't follow me then. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, no bigs. Yeah. 
it's totally. fine. We just won't see Luna's daily dose every day. <laughs> oh, wait. Let, let me talk about I just want to tell you, like, uh, with your Insta stories are so good. And I don't oh. know, you have this way of being just, like, so super real and, like, hilarious at the same time. <laughs> I'm like, how does she think of this stuff? <laughs> Dude, I just, I don't know. I feel, I was... I used to use Snapchat and I think that's like most people's stories. Like I used to use Snapchat, but then Instagram came out with Instagram stories and now I just, but it's like, you can have like pretty pictures and honest captions or whatever in your feed, but then you just get to be a total goofball. And I love that. It's like, this is up for less than 24 hours. All good. I don't care. (laughs) And I've like, I've had some people like say that they've never gotten to know the person behind the account better than they did until like better than. What am I trying to say? Stories. Stories. stories (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, I just, I, I like to use it for that reason. Just like, this is who I am. I don't care. (laughs) But yours yours are also just like really funny and interesting. So uh, you guys, people who are listening, go to (laughs) Ellen Beasy, her Instagram account, follow her and watch her stories because she's hilarious. (laughs) Or maybe I don't. I don't know. Maybe that's the key. Just don't try. (laughs) Yeah, like don't care. Yeah, don't care at all. (laughs) Well, it's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I mean, that's, I guess that's the end of it, but I really appreciate you coming on and I've learned so much about you and I'm really excited to see what goes on in the next like year, two or three for you. It's going to be awesome. Yes. Thank you. Me too. I'm excited. (laughs) All right. Thanks. I'll talk to you later. Check the show notes of each episode to get the website and Instagram for each of the fiber artists I speak with. Be sure to give them a follow. And you can view video from this podcast on naromastudio.com slash the fiber artist podcast. If you enjoy the fiber artist podcast, go to Apple podcast to subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.